Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm your host, Carol Stewart, founder of Abounding Solutions and author of Quietly Visible, leading with influence and impact as an introverted woman. And this is the podcast for introverted women who want to thrive as leaders and in life. And today I've got a very interesting person on with me. She goes by the name of Kathleen Rawls and she's a native of Massachusetts. Um, She's an author, a speaker, a coach and an award-winning educator. And she was a high school history teacher and athletics coach for 15 years in various states, leading several field hockey, softball and track and field teams to league and district championships. During the 2013-14 school year, she served as a Fulbright Roving Scholar of American Studies, where she travelled to 50, um, I can't even pronounce that, Ungodemus schools in Norway. You'll have to um, <laughs> correct me on that to share her knowledge of US culture. As a doctoral student, she conducted research on four continents, focusing on the constructs of sport, gender, and voice empowerment. She has written articles for numerous newspapers and academic journals, and her first book entitled, Take Her Word For It, Sports Cultivate World-Class Leaders, will be published in May. Serving as the founder and executive director of Kathleen Rawls LLC, she works to empower other professional females to lead with their unique voices. She's a proud graduate of the University of Massachusetts Amherst uh, BA 2000, where she was a sports editor for the Daily Collegian. And she also has degrees from American University and the University of Massachusetts Lowell. So hello, Kathleen, and welcome. (laughs) Carol, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's great to have you here. And so before we um, go into the topic of what we're going to be talking about, please um, just tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so I haven't included. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm a native of Massachusetts here in the US. And um, I grew up in a big Irish Catholic family, uh, more about the Irish, I think, than the Catholicism. And um, I always grew up playing a lot of sports and um, school is very important. I'm the daughter of a um, a 50 year uh, public school educator. That would be my mother. She is the first person in our family to earn a, a college degree back in the 60s. And so education and sports have always been really important to me. And um, it's a thrill to be part of both still today as a professional adult. Great. And so you you have quite an interesting journey. um, And what I haven't included in when I in the introduction was some of the work that you um, did when you traveled to Ethiopia um, Mm -hmm. for the to do the Girls Got to Run Foundation. Um, and listeners, you know, what, what we're going to be focus on, focusing on is about the voice and, and being empowered to use our voices. So, so tell us a bit about what that is, what, 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 what involved and how you managed to go to Ethiopia, what was behind all that? Yeah, yes. So, um, as you mentioned earlier, I had spent a year uh, in Norway at the Ungdom schools. You did really well with that. <laughs> and um, 
I came home to my classroom and I thought, I don't know if I can spend the next 20, 25, whatever years in this, in this, these four walls. So um, I live in Lowell, Mass. And so there's a university here and they have a doctoral program. So I just started kind of picking away um, in the courses and two and a half years into the program, I was all set to focus my research to write my dissertation on civics education. Um, being a history teacher, I've always felt that, um, you know, instilling students with, you know, the desire to vote um, was the most important thing that I did. I used to joke with them and say, I don't care if you come back in 10 years and you tell me you hated me, my class, whatever, but you vote. That'll make me happy. <laughs> um, so it was all set to do this research on civics education. In fact, I had gone to Ireland and done a little bit of work there with some uh, civics education scholars. But um, with one class left before the research really began, um, I, there was a group of invited speakers from all over the world who talked about gender equity in their schools. And I what they shared just struck me because I thought this is really my passion about female and gender equity. This is what gets me going. This is why I coach. There's not a whole lot of female coaches out there at the high school level here or the secondary level. And so I just had an epiphany and I thought I really need to focus on, on girls in sport, women in sport. And so it took me about six months. I had to, you know, in the doctoral world, it's all new to me too, but I had to kind of come up with my niche for what I was going to focus on. And I started to look at research um, between girls and sport. And I realized there wasn't a connection between sport, empowerment, and voice. There was lots of connections with sport and academics, sports and greater professional success, but nothing with voice. And that was something that I have, that's something I've always struggled with is using my voice feeling confident to use my voice. When I played sports as a kid, and even still now today, I'm definitely a quieter person on the team. And it's not so much, as you know, it's not so much I don't have anything to say, it's just that I don't always know how to say it or don't have the confidence to say it. And so I started to look at voice and sport and um, I'm a runner, I'm not a great runner, but I do run every day. I did run on the icy roads this morning. And um, I thought, you know, where would be a great place to learn not only about girls and sport and voice, but also about a place in the world that's truly exemplary of doing something well. And um, I started thinking about Ethiopian runners and um, I connected with an organization called Girls Gotta Run. And it was founded by a U.S. professor. And basically, the goal is to support hundreds of girls every year in two southern um, locations. They're located south of the capital of Addis Ababa. And they have their education funded. They get um, clothing. They get food. They get a life skills program. And they also get to train as runners. So... Um, it was quite a bit of legwork to get my study approved to get over to Ethiopia, but I did, um, and I spent uh, May, June, and July of 2019 um, in uh, Soto and Bokoji in Ethiopia, and that's where I got to work and live amongst um, these girl athletes. And the research question that I focused on when I went there, Carol, was 
do girls who participate in sport perceive greater voice empowerment as a result? And I came up with that question because I felt like even as quiet and as introverted as I, as I am today, without sports, I don't know where I would be. <laughs> I wouldn't have taken the opportunities to, you know, be a sports journalist and an educator and a coach, I don't think. And I wanted to know if other women or other young women felt the same way. And so um, during my research, I got a chance to talk with the girls. They filled out surveys. I got to spend time with them and their families, their friends. You know, um, they dropped me hard every day on the runs. They would just take off and I'd be like chugging along. Um, that was okay. <laughs> one poor girl, she stayed with me one day and got in trouble with the coach. I felt so awful, but she didn't want me to get lost in the fields. <laughs> um, but I came back home and I remember some of the, um, the people in my cohort at school said, oh, you can, you know, you have all your research, your data, you can just knock this dissertation out in a few months. But it sat with me for so long, just the whole experience and what the girls had shared with me. And, and what, what sort of things came out of that, um, that experience and, and your, your findings, your research? Yeah, so, you know, I have to say, you know, when we, I think about research, I always kind of think of like hard data and seriousness, but the experience itself was so fun. It was so um, familiar to me, you know, being with my friends, going to school, you know, following these girls along, going to practice, the socialization of it, um, that it was a pleasure. And of course, very new experience for me as well. I had never traveled. I have traveled a lot of places around the world, but I'd never been anywhere in Africa and of course not in Ethiopia. And so what the girls shared to me was very, you know, um, very similar to my experiences. They felt these girls um, have been saved in a way from child marriage because in their particular communities, um, you know, their brother's education is going to be funded before theirs. And so the goal of this Girls Gotta Run program is to help these girls get through their secondary education. And for most of these girls, they're going to be the most educated people in their families, which is amazing. And so they said, you know, with this opportunity to be amongst my friends, to train as an athlete, to feel empowered, to be highly educated in my community, I now know things. I feel confident to use my voice. And so, for example, a lot of them spoke about, you know, when they see friends in trouble, you know, if they see friends that are having issues at home or with a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whomever, they feel empowered to speak up, to be that strong friend, to be that ally. Um, in a country um, like Ethiopia, and there, there are some areas that menstruation is not spoken of freely. And so as a result, there's a lot of misinformation, but through their life skills program, they learn about what periods really are and how they can be manageable and how they can go to school while they're having their periods and train while they're having their periods and, and kind of the you know, pregnancy and, and how that you know, can be managed. And so they, they spoke of sharing that information with their friends and their colleagues and they, and what really impressed me, you know, that was amazing in itself to speak of that freely, but that they that they took the leadership role to do that and that they realized that they were speaking out against, you know, people who were providing this misinformation. 
And I thought, wow, like being 15 years old and doing that really impressed me. Mm, wow. And, and what, what is it about taking part in sports that enable them to find their voice? And even yourself, you mentioned earlier that if you hadn't participated in sports, you don't know whether you would have done some of the things that you did. And what do you think it was about that participation in sports that mm-hmm. has um, enables that? Yeah, I think, you know, to start, it, we talk about participation in sport, it doesn't have to mean that you're any good at it. <laughs> um, there were, you know, and one, I was in two locations, and in one of the locations, the focus really is on academics, and the girls run three days a week, and, and I didn't have really any issues keeping up with that group, and I'm 43, by the way, so <laughs> I'm a lot older than them. Um but in the other group, Bokoji, this Bokoji is a town outside of about three and a half hours outside of Addis Ababa. And Bokoji is the heart of, you know, the intense training and running where so many of the great Ethiopian Olympic champions and world champions come from and where they train. And um, so I was working with two very different groups. But what I found was it's the empowerment of being part of the group, the empowerment of, you know, that, that physicality that you get to use in a very safe way that I think, you know, brings out this, you know, just general confidence in us, you know, to get out there and to use your body, to exercise your lungs, you know, to, to train to a level um, that, you know, kind of can clear your head and, and prepare you for other things in life. That's how I feel about sport. And I saw and heard the same thing from these girls. Mm. And and was there um, an, any sort of noticeable differences between the girls who were introverted and those who were extroverted in terms of how they used their voice? Was yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think you definitely you could see personalities. There was a language barrier um, there. I don't speak Amharic. Um, and some of the girls knew some English, but English is really like a third language for them to learn. Um, so I had a translator with me. So the direct, you know, communication was obviously, <laughs> wasn't as direct as I, I wish I could have been. Um, but certainly you could see that in their personalities and how they kind of, I could see myself, the introverted girls on the team, you know, the girls that may or may not have been talented, but may not speak up, may not be the ones to be asking questions from the coaches but some of those girls shared their poetry with me. They came up on maybe after practice and sat with me when I was going through my photos or I was taking, you know, notes, field notes or whatever. And they would sit and share photography with me. They would not photography, sorry, their um, poetry with me. Um, some of them came up and had like my translator who was part of the Girls Gonna Run Association. They would came over and said, would, you know, would Kathleen like to, to come into town, we would like to sit and talk with her at a more private level. So those are ways that I think introverts find, you know, connections with. Um, and so, you know, instead of coming up and, hey, let's get a picture and, and we're gonna lead the group, but I'm gonna do this and that, these, this was, they were other ways for them to connect with me. Yeah. And of course, I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And and your book, Take Her Word for It, Sports Cultivate World-Class Leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, and you share stories of the Ethiopian girls and women athletes from around the world. And what are some of the, the stories 
in your book that you see the women how they're using their voice mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's and I'm, Carol maybe you feel the same way but I find I keep following down this path of voice and it's the, a place of a struggle for me sometimes I sit there and think why why am I speaking on this why am I writing on this sometimes really painful subject for me you know how am I an expert you know that kind of imposter syndrome crosses my mind you know on a weekly basis so I wanted to talk with women who are in different fields around the world and have different kinds of voices to kind of get a sense of how how they function in the world professionally and personally and so one of the bottom lines that I that I found you know across all these women is a, a general curiosity and this curiosity led them to use their voice, leads them to use their voices in different ways. For some of them, they talked about being extremely, extremely extroverted. And so, and they talked about how like friends lean on them to take the lead for things and how they're very conscious of that. Um, And some of these women actually was interesting. They said, you know, we've been leading our friends for a long time in our peer groups. And now we're realizing there are a lot of lessons that we've missed from leading in different ways, from not being able to lead in different ways, from always having to use our voices. I thought that was really interesting. Yes, that is interesting. Um, Yeah, you know, one of them said, uh, she's a uh, prison social worker in in Northern Ireland and she does like extreme swimming and mountaineering. And and she said, you know, I'm trying out new sports and people automatically expect me to lead because I'm this kind of loud extroverted person, but I'm not the expert in, you know, swimming across the English channel. You know, I, I need to follow you. I need to learn how to be a follower. I need to learn how to be a different team player. And I thought that was really empowering. Um, so for some of the women who are definitely, who identify more as introverted, um, they talked a lot about, um, you know, being a, a team player in a different sense and being, where the person who was leading up front didn't always get a sense of what was going on on the team because they were always looking ahead because that was their job. The introverts talked about being able to read a team a little bit better and being able to kind of fill those roles and, and fill the holes that were necessary. But all the women talked about, you know, the enjoyment of being part of a team and the importance of feeling welcome and having their skills and their voice appreciated, whoever they were. Mm. And um, and and what what you're saying there in terms about how you sort of describe the uh, experience of the both the introverts and the extroverts just sort of brings to mind how we need both those voices. We Absolutely. need the introverted voice. We need the extroverted voice because they all they both bring something different, um, don't they? Yes. I mean, as I'm, I'm going through the final edits of my book this month, that's coming out in May, and I'm really thinking so much about the goal of this book. You know, you start with an idea and then you, you as you know, and then you, it changes as you do your research and get into writing and deeply think about it. And I really think that the goal of this book is for more women to see the importance of, of, of needing all voices you know we don't need to necessarily fill roles or have all the same kind of person to get to get along that we can all be successful by being ourselves you know we can all be curious we can all um you know set goals that are important to us and do it in our own way and do it in our own time as well yeah 
And that is so true. And one of the things that you said about um, curiosity, that um, curiosity led them to use their voice. And I think that's quite powerful. Um, you know, when we get curious about something. Um, so could you tell us a bit more about that? Mm-hmm. that curiosity, what you, what you found? Yes, you know, I the idea came to me from one of the women I interviewed. She is an American who is a education professor um, in Dubai, and we were talking about role models one day because I wanted to know, you know, who are the women that they look up to, and are they did they see themselves in the woman they looked up to, or it was more like I I want to be that person because she's different from me, or I want to be her because she's like me. And so she was talking about um, a high school Latin teacher that she had. And she said, you know, one of the things that struck her about this teacher who kind of kept showing up in her life as a young adult um, was her general curiosity. And she said, that is something that I've taken and, you know, applied. And this woman has traveled all over the world and lived all over the world. And when she said that, I went back to the other interviews that I had done and I thought that's a a line with all of these women. Is there a curiosity about how good they can be? Can they do something? And a lot of the women found their strength in sport. They looked, a lot of them reflected back on what they had done as athletes or what they're still doing as athletes and said, you know, I've already done this. Why can't I apply it to that in a way and do it in my own way? And so, so that developing that curiosity, um, so say for someone who doesn't really use their voice or feel like they, they don't have the confidence to use their voice, mm-hmm. what, what, would, what would you suggest in terms of how they then develop a curiosity that can lead them to using their voice? Well, I think that, you know, people in general already have curiosities whether they realize them or not they definitely you know we all tend to go towards certain interest groups whatever it may be I think it's one you know a big step is acknowledging that curiosity and two how do you follow through with it and um, one of the things I talk about in the book is just timing and that to set your own um, you know your own timeline of when thing, when do you want to achieve something? When do you want to try something? When, what would be, you know, acceptable for you to say, I, I have been successful in this. Um, and so I think someone who is introverted, you know, they may look, you know, let's say they're working in a, a company and they're looking to get into the executive level and look around their peers who start at the same time with a similar education and background and, they may be moving ahead and sometimes you have to look around and say, okay, well, if I'm still in this role because maybe I'm overlooked because I'm an introvert and I'm not comfortable speaking or I respect other people's needs to to speak more than I need to, I think that's a big thing too. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Is just the reset your own scale and have the confidence that in that, you know, have that realization that, you know, you're going to play the long game. And that there is still a lot to learn in whatever role you're in and, and be okay with that. You know, sometimes we, if you can be okay with that, look around and say, well, that's, that's their timeline. That's, you know, their destiny and, and I'm going to get there or somewhere else. Yeah. Um, 
you know, personally for me, I was a teacher for 15 years and I thought I would be an educator forever. And then different opportunities came up that I never planned on. And I remember, you know, being a teacher and looking around and saying, geez, I hope that I'm like that teacher when I'm their age. And I hope I'm doing this when I get to that point in my career. And my career totally went off on another path. Um, and so sometimes worrying about, you know, who's where at what at the same point you are or a different point in your life um, really isn't time well spent. So, you know, and it certainly isn't. And that is something that I see often um, is where women will look at someone who may appear more successful, further ahead than them, better than them. And I, and I put in, in inverted commas better because, you know, nobody's better than anybody else but they look at that and they think, and then they put themselves down in the process um, yes. rather than looking at, well, that is that path, person's path. That person has got, a, you know, lived experiences that have shaped who they are in their path. And I know everybody has an individual path to follow. Yeah, it's something that I work on. I'm still working part-time as, as an educator just because I can't seem to shake it. And it, I see it in the young students and I try and encourage, you know, one of the things I do when I'm working with groups of students is, you know, we, we still the students who talk immediately, you know, I'll throw out a question of, Oh, you know, Miss Rawls, blah, blah, blah. You know, they've got something to say and I'll say, I'm not going to call on you right away. Everyone needs some time to think. <laughs> so even if you have an answer, I see your hand up, you can keep it up, put it down. That's okay. I want everyone to have a moment to think. You know, I want everyone to have a chance to just kind of digest what they're going to, what they want to say or what they'd like to say. Um, and you can see that you, it kind of relaxes students, you know, and it also, you know, my goal is to give greater opportunity for, for everyone to use their voice in a comfortable way. Um, you know, and it also, you know, is a little message to, to those who, who always have ideas immediately and can't wait to share them that, you know, like maybe take a moment and you might learn something from somebody else. You know, you might be surprised um, at what they have to share. So I try and do a little bit of, of work with the younger students too um, and reward everybody in that way. Because I think that if we all take that pause and give others um, some comfort to speak and some, you know, some space to think that they're going to be able to give a lot more so yeah and I think that's great that you do that because I think at that age when the, when they're in an environment whereby the ones who are the ones to put at their hand the ones to be more vocal are the ones that get the attention or get the recognition whereas those who don't may be made to feel that they're not as good as because they're not doing that so I think it's great that you are giving them that space and that time to think yeah. and get their thoughts together mm -hmm. because I, I find that that is is one of the biggest challenges for a lot of the introverted women leaders that I work with is that where because of their their, their thinking style or their their way of thinking and processing information then speaking that has been seen as a negative in their workplace or in their career because people are expected to be speaking all the time <laughs> absolutely and you know I find now you know as I'm working with these groups every day 
the, the students who are quieter for whatever reason, whether they're introverts or they're just whatever reason that they're not confident in speaking, um, because they've had more opportunities to talk in these little groups, their peers now want to know more about them. So, um, you know, they're they're talking a little bit more because they know there's going to be some space for them every day, and they're kind of their louder, more extroverted classmates and friends. Um, ask them more questions because they realize the value that they do bring to our little learning groups if they if we change, you know, the direction and the speed of the conversation. And that is so exciting to see because I, I think, wow, you know, like I, I feel like I had wonderful teachers as a child, but maybe if someone had done that a little bit, create a little more space for me, I might have been a little more chatty or talkative in class. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and what are the lessons do you, do you think that women leaders, introverted women leaders can take from that, what you've shared and, and apply to themselves in their roles as leaders? Yeah, you know, I think that, again, it's kind of back to the idea of timing and to, you know, look around and get off that like comparative, you know, line of thinking that we have. And I think, um, you know, finding those points, you know, what is it that you, what is it that you do bring to this discussion? What is your, you know, really, you know, we're thinkers, right? We're, our minds are <laughs> always going internally. And so what, what is it, who, I, who am I and what can I bring that's unique from this? And it may be the unique point of just observation. You know, I've been listening to this conversation for 45 minutes. I haven't said a word and maybe not start with that, but you know, when you're, you're thinking that <laughs> in my observations, I'm thinking this, you know, kind of throw out those, those thinking points. You don't even, sometimes I feel like we, we feel like we have to put out a solution, the end all be all. And sometimes it's like, I'm just seeing this from a different perspective. I'm hearing this and that can change the focal point that can, you know, get everybody else thinking and seeing the problem from a, a different page. So I think that's really exciting when you're in a, a conversation and maybe you're listening, you're listening, you're like, whoa, I just want to jump in here with one thing. That one, that one tidbit that you share can be, you know, just life changing. It can just totally um, redirect where you all thought you were going. And I think, I don't know. That's really exciting to me, to be honest. Yes, it is very, very exciting. So before we wrap up, if people want to find out more about you and when your book is um, published, get hold of it, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, so um, my website is my name. It's um, KathleenRawls.com. And you can find me there. You can find me. I have Instagram, Kathleen Rawls LLC. And um, my book is being published by New Degree Press. And it's coming out in May. And it'll be available on Amazon and all the, you know, <laughs> all the, the big chains. And I'm very excited about it. And I am as well for you as well. So thank you so much, Kathleen, for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure to have you on and very interesting discussion and listeners do check Kathleen out and do keep out an eye out for her book it'll be out in a few months do check that out as well Carol so, thank you so much it was great talking with you today it's been a pleasure 
So thank you, listeners. Thank you for listening. And if you are wanting to increase your confidence, influence and impact, then go to my website, aboundingsolutions.com. There is a free assessment that you can complete that will give you ideas that you can focus on. And if you're not part of my High Achieving Introverted Women community, then do find us on Facebook, the High Achieving Introverted Women Facebook group. And so until the next time, bye.